I'm making sure that my phone is silenced. I recommend <laughs> that uh, everyone else do the same. Very good, very good. Not not naming names, but I did uh, cut a ringtone or a text tone out of the last episode, so just... It wasn't me. It was totally me, wasn't it? My phone is always silent. I was trying to not name names, John, <laughs> but if you want to name yourself... <laughs> it's totally me. Welcome to John's Mostly Movie Podcast. Joining me today, I have Nick Edwards. Hello. And putting it together, producer James. Ahoy. All right. Gents, how was your weekend? I would say unseasonably warm, but then I remembered it's March, and I don't know what weather is supposed to be like anymore. Yeah, that's true, because I would say whenever I was in Texas growing up, March was always warm. Like, it was getting ready for the actual spring break, South by Southwest. Yeah, but I live in New York now. I mean, there would be some windy nights. Yeah, and now I'm in New York, so when it's cold still, like, the dead of winter in March, I'm like, what the fuck? That's been, like, something that still I've yet to get used to. My tolerance for the cold has lowered as far as, like, the degree where I'm like, this is, mm-mm. Like, when I first got to New York, it was, like, a low 50s. It was in a terrible place. And I, in the winters of New York ate me up. Um, but then it was, like, okay, I, I lived here another year, and it went down to, like, the 40s. And I kept pushing it. And so now it's pretty much, like, I start getting pissed when it drops below 20. Like, that's when it's, like, if there's wind. If there's no wind, maybe, like, below 10. Below 10? like degrees like like wind chill if it's like just temperature because like wind chill it's been like 23 degrees but it feels like seven and that's just illegal and there's times where it's been seven degrees but no wind and it's just cold it's just walking into a meat locker y'all are crazy Um, move my my point is though this morning, I looked at the, the forecast on my weather app on my phone for the next week, and, and I believe in the next day or two, uh, it's going to be 69 degrees. Yeah. It's, it, it w- fake spring, don't take... You, you know New York I know. a fake it's spring. the best degree. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah they'll, they'll it's be a, a nice temperature and all, but... There'll be a week in New York, typically in March, where... It is nice. and Or maybe it's not even a full week. Maybe it's like a New York week, which is like four days. And it's it's just beautiful, and then we just go back to misery. I'm, I'm certain it's going to snow again, but... <sighs> uh... I'm done. Producer James cutting in from the future to point out that as I edit this episode, on March 9th, 2020, it is currently snowing outside my window. My point is we've broken the planet. My, um, my partner is typically at, around this time very all for one more blizzard. In fact, she's usually chanting and trying to speak it into existence. And this year she's like, no, I'm done. We're good. I saw the Batman this weekend. Which we're talking about next week. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we will be. 
gives people uh, when you're listening to this, it'll be uh, after the weekend that the Batman's come out. Everything's indicating that it's going to be a hit at the box office money wise. And you'll have time to watch it so you can talk about it with us. And I recommend everyone watching it. The my three word under five word review for it is go see it. And I know that seems silly, but there was a lot of hesitation into going into the movie from people, whether it's Robert Pattinson playing the Batman, whether it's just an entirely new Batman series, whether it was it's PG-13 and it's not an R Batman because we haven't gotten a rated R Batman yet, which the PG-13 doesn't really make sense to me. Nolan's Batman series was PG-13 and it still was badass in all regards. Go see it. We'll let you know our thoughts, but it is one where you'll be, you know, you'll be glad. There's some movies where you're like, oh, I, I know it's good, but I'm going to I'm gonna wait. Like, I don't need to prioritize that. No, this is one that you'll enjoy that you did. Someone I follow on Twitter described it as the most Batman movie. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. But uh... It was interesting to hear Becky's takes on it because she's not really a Batman fan and hasn't seen much Batman movies outside of this one i think actually this is her first no 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 this is like her second one first batman movie in theaters um she enjoyed it uh get your snacks though when you go it is a long movie it is just shy of three hours um and it fills that time interesting got it we'll snack up yeah uh just really quickly uh what if you just have to get one snack from the concession stand outside of popcorn and soda. What is it? Usually a hot dog beer. Okay. I'm a, I'm a really bad diabetic. So I'm going to say either, depending on, on what the, the concession stand has, either Junior Mints... Or the like malted milk balls, the the chocolate covered uh, milk duds, whoppers. That's oh whoppers, not milk duds. Whoppers. The milk duds are are like uh, caramely in the middle, right? Yeah, so right. like they're they get stuck on your teeth. Sure the whoppers, do. though. Are you not a fan of milk duds, Nick? No. I also am not. That's why I like whoppers. They don't stick to your teeth. I like milk duds. They're actually, one of my go-to. Yeah, you're welcome. Like just, you know, it's each their own. You like shit just hanging out in your teeth for the rest of the day. Not if you eat it right. <laughs> you just swallow it John, whole. It's also it also strengthens my tongue muscles because I'm like getting in there and like digging out all the caramel from the teeth. But it happens. John is John is a huge fan of a good toothpick. <laughs> like. Or floss. In ways in ways that I can't tell you on a podcast. <laughs> I don't want it recorded. The degree to which John enjoys a good toothpick. I'm, are you telling me the sensation of not having anything stuck between your teeth is not amazing to you? Because no, me, I'm just saying that perhaps you you your affection for this candy that gets stuck in your teeth and is objectively horrible 
compared to all the other candies that are available at the concession stand, my only uh, extrapolation is that you must have some sort of fetish in which you derive pleasure from removing stuff from your teeth. So it's the only explanation. I appreciate the explanation. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. I went Twizzlers though last night. They were out of milk duds. Went Twizzlers because Twizzlers are also accidentally vegan. So my partner was able to mm. have some. Like Oreos. Like Oreos. Gents, let's do some shows and tell. This is the point where if we had theme music for shows and tell, I would... Shows and tell! Um, If you have not listened to a John's Mostly Movie podcast when we do a shows and tell, we each go around talking about the TV shows that we are watching, seeing if the others have watched it too, and if not, giving them a reason why they should or shouldn't. Um, Nick, why don't you step up to the podium first? There's not an actual podium, by the way, listeners. I'm sorry to disappoint. We're meeting in a, a first grade uh, homeroom class. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of glue sticks and colored pencils around here. The three of us all got Billy Madisoned. Let me just stand behind the overhead here. Turn the projector on. Remind you guys. Yeah, I, I've been talking about After Party for a couple of weeks, and I finally finished it, so I don't want to talk too much about it, because I've already done so, but... What's the final thoughts on it? Um, I was expecting it to whiff. But what it do you mean? To, to not land. Oh. Uh, and it, it didn't blow me out of the water, but it did not whiff, so it was... Overall, I think three and a half tofus. Interesting. That's a lot high. I'm definitely going to have to watch it because I was expecting maybe a three to two and a half tofu from you from the journey that we've been because you told us you started this begrudgingly um, and you were continuing it because you're like, Ugh, I'm in it now. And then you were like, oh, there's, it's, getting some, it's got some stuff into it. It was a strong start. It was a strong start? Yeah, because for episode one, I was like, hey, this is great. And then I was like, oh, man, it's still going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, it it almost stuck the landing. Okay. Uh, that being said, my, my official uh, in, entry here is uh, I started the Law & Order remake slash continuation. I was about to say, I don't know if it's a remake. It's just coming back after a long long time yeah well it is not the same show I, I tell you that much as a as a fan of the original this this starts off immediately by them killing not bill cosby after he has an interview about well i'm gonna get revenge on all the people who lied about me now that i'm out of jail on a technicality and then somebody gets he, they kill him, and then the two cops come in, and Anthony Anderson's like, "Damn, another dead black guy," and the other cops like Jeffrey Donovan's like, "Yeah, but he deserved it." Anthony Anderson's like, "Even assholes deserve our respect when they get killed." Bum 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 bum, and it's like, "Oh, <laughs> this already started terribly." And then Anthony Anderson and the other cop take turns being the bad cop, depending on the situation. And the, his partner, the, the Jeffrey Donovan, the white guy, like gets mad that he can't rough up a black guy 
asking for information. And Anthony Anderson's like, yeah. And then everyone's like pulling out their cameras. And he's like, ugh. People are expecting me to do my job. People are watching me. I could get in trouble for some of this shit. And it's like, oh my god. And then he tricks the rape victim who shot him. And tricks her into confessing. And so then it it's now she's on trial. And it starts with the lawyer being like, hey, let's throw out this confession because it was fucked up. And McCoy's like, all right. But as long as you can guarantee me she's going to jail. And he's like, yeah, sure. And I was expecting him to be lying, but he wasn't. And he continues to decidedly try to put this rape victim in jail for killing the rapist that got out of jail because the system sucks. And over the course of it, she goes to jail. The criminal justice system uh, misserves the citizens of the United States through two separate yet equally important parties, the, the police that investigate crimes. And, and these were their stories. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, bravo for having a, a more realistic depiction of what policing actually is in New York. <laughs> so, first episode of Law & Order 2022, Nick, how many tofus? Uh, they still had the same. The they still had the same themes. Well, actually, the theme song was was different, which pissed me off. What? Yeah, they added a lot more percussion. What do you mean it was different? Well, you know, Law and Order SVU ha, ha, has like a like a extra sexy guitar in there, and but Law and Order Prime always had the same theme. This one they've they've adjusted it to where it's it's now different, and they've got like a lot of extra percussion in there. So, but it was. Same enough to where it gets one tofu. James, can you pull up the new Law and Order theme? I'm looking for it. Sam Watterson's back as McCoy, right? Yeah. Okay. How how's he doing though? Just how is he? <laughs> Come on. How, how's my man Sam? He was encouraging Hugh Dancy to throw an innocent woman in jail. Well, a woman. Forced by the system to kill into jail. He's changed. Yeah. He's changed. All right, here we go. A lot more synth than I remember. Is that flute? I can't tell you why that flute always just triggers syndicated television memories in my head. Like <laughs> and I'm thinking, listening to this live on a prime time television uh, time would be very odd for my brain. My brain would cut it this way. And I feel like they cut it to a little bit short. Well, can we can we get the original Law and Order opening? Maybe. The there were parts in that that distinctly sounded 
as though uh, they were performed by a preset on like a Casio keyboard. <laughs> like the the orchestra included among all of its instruments uh, a keyboard on a stand that somebody like went over and flipped a switch on and it just started going through its little arpeggio. That might be how this theme song got started back in 1990. <laughs> That's true. You know what? I don't hate the update. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna say yes to it. Yeah, but here's the thing. This is perfection, and they've had to adjust all the spin. I don't know. You. We just saw Chris Knopf come onto the screen. I don't know if he's perfection at all. <laughs> the cast has no bearing on the music. Objection. Overruled. I, w- I will say though, this less jazzy version of it is what I think of as Law and Order, like a little bit elevator music in a court-like uh, building. Yeah, and you can't just claim to bring back the regular one and just mess with the things. <laughs> So how many? So how many tofu's? One. One tofu. Damn. Law and Order 2022 episode one. New theme song and all. One tofu from Nick. Uh, for for those for whom this is your first episode, uh, while most shows rate things by stars, uh, we choose to rate things by tofu. Uh, Tofu, which is the, John's dog, sort of the star of our podcast, frequently barking in the background. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I don't think, I think he's napping. So I don't know if we'll, we'll get, it would have been nice for him to come on to the pod on cue, but you know, he beats to the... He, he's the sometimes star. At some point I need to actually like clip out uh, a bark and and then just like pepper that in in the edit here here to there when we it, as transitions if we can't get hit a transition to the next one mm-hmm. we just do a bark bark all right and that's a great idea you're welcome uh producer james shows and tell mm. uh nick thank you you can leave the um projector <laughs> on uh uh what do we got on your end I, I walk up to the projector with my folder of transparencies. <laughs> I have a number of dry erase markers that I will use to illustrate the points. Two which don't work. I, I will say, just to, to touch on after party or the after party mm-hmm. uh, for a moment, I had a very different experience to it in that watching the first i think two episodes that came out as the premiere uh i made a guess as to who the killer was uh last time that we talked about it on the podcast nick and i had a conversation when when john was off the call about who we each thought the killer might be uh and i cut that out of the episode so i can say without spoiling anything i was right so amazing 
I I had a very different experience with the the finale where suddenly the show was characters bringing up things that corroborated things that I had observed earlier on as potential leads and and felt rewarded. So I I enjoyed it a great deal. I'm very uh, bitter, and it would have had more tofu's had I been right. Uh, what James is trying to tell us is he'll be leaving the pod to pursue <laughs> private investigation. I'm a detective now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into whatever I do. Eventually, see the Batman. Uh, I'm gonna go into it with a very like competitive mindset with Batman. I want to figure this out before you. I too am a detective. Ah, I am somewhat of a detective myself. Uh. Back to Willem Dafoe. He's going to make an appearance in every episode. I mean, it's a streak that continues to organically go on its own. What's terrific is the same app that lets me put in chapter markers to the podcast lets me change out the image that's on (laughs) screen chapter by chapter. So I could literally just throw in a chapter marker of uh, a a meme just for a second. Flat back. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, this is going to be fun to to put together. I mean, yeah, we probably should anytime he just naturally shows up in the conversation. As as naturally happens. Uh, in addition to the after party, though, the thing that I have watched in its entirety in the last week and was sort of a refreshing, sort of maybe a narrative palette cleanser, I'll say, Ooh. was Reacher on Amazon Prime. Ooh, yeah. Um, I forgot... Who's the actor that plays Reacher? Alan Richson. That's Nick's pick for Booster Gold. Mm. It was until he gained 300 pounds to play the beefiest man alive. He's maybe more a Superman uh, now than a Booster Gold. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a giant mountain of a man that everyone constantly comments is so giant and so clearly like if he punches you 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 fall down and you don't get back up and that's how a lot of the fights that happen throughout the the story end up but just found myself sort of uh delighting in a simpler style of story uh after having watched all these stories where there's ambiguity as to Who's who's providing what information? Who's on what side? There are reveals at the last moment as to, to things that uh, people that were conspiring to do something. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, obviously the after party, but uh, raised by wolves. Similarly, very complex social dynamics where people are, are sometimes out for their own and not actually doing what they say they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then Reacher comes in with a very cut and dry oh someone that is was was dear to me was murdered by some people in this town that i was passing through so i'm going to find out who the people that killed that person are and i'm going to kill them and like that is the the goal that he has that is accomplished at the end that throughout the series anytime whoever asks him what he's doing police or no like, he will just upright, I'm, I'm here to find the people that killed this person, and I'm going to kill them. And once they're dead, then I'll leave. And and it is exactly, like, the ways in which uh, it is telegraphed, oh, the, the police are, are corrupt and bought into this conspiracy, and, and the people in the town who have been bad-mouthing Reacher and wanting him to leave town to 
let things operate as they have been uh all are actually bad and terrible and and the good guys are good and at the end of the day everything worked out and it was a nice like yeah it was eight hours of people uh occasionally trying to get in bar fights with a 300 pound mountain man or not mountain man muscle man that explains like i i am going to move in a very deliberate manner you don't want to to fight me I'm going to hit you and you're going to hurt and you're going to wish that I didn't hit you. <laughs> and then he does it. And and that happens at least once an episode and it's delightful every time. Yeah, I don't know how he worked out his hands to be like twice as large as they normally are, but impressive work. Yeah. Is it eight episodes for the first season? Yes. Nice. Um, what would you, how many tofus would you give the first season? Uh, I'd say probably a, a solid four and a half. Nice. It, it was a, a good ride. It was also, though, I say a half because it was of the category of television where, like when I sometimes go to uh, History Channel uh, shows, just like, I would like to turn off part of my analytical thinking and just tell me, tell me a story. Uh, it's funny that we have to turn off like our analytical thinking by going to like the history channel <laughs> because most of the shit that they make these days is shit uh, <laughs> producer james four and a half tofus for reacher on amazon prime uh, when did it come out was it this month uh it was let's see here february february 4th okay so it's been it's been a month. I was a bit late to the game, but uh... well, it's funny. It's just one of those this week that popped up in different. Steve was watching it. You've mentioned mm. it. I forgot someone else was talking about it. So it, it, here's the thing that I have found when it comes to television: it either kind of uh, as of right now from like trending. This is just like an observation. I'm not like any fucking expert, and I'm sure you can find a flaw in the theory. But I find that for TV shows that are releasing right now. Um, mind you, week to week or all at once is a factor. You have the people are talking about it immediately. And if that's week to week, that's big. Uh, I would say the most recent one that is a week to week that people are immediately talking about was season two of Euphoria. Um, every week that was on Twitter, memes, being talked about, stories coming out about it, everything. Um, all the you know publicity that you would want for a show to just drive up viewership. Um, it trends late. Typically, once someone can binge it, we do see so many people binge it, and then just the whole internet gets talking about it because now everyone's caught up. Yet, people could have been talking about it two weeks prior, but yeah, it's that weird thing. Or it just doesn't track at all. Um, it, you know, it releases, but it, you know, not to say that it's not good, but it just might not be one that's talked about as frequently i feel like no one's talking about ozarks that mm. very yeah it, we haven't heard so much hype about it i i enjoyed the first couple seasons and i feel like uh season before this most recent one i just didn't finish it for some reason it didn't get its hooks in me the way that the first mm. season two did but you know what else popped up just as frequently as euphoria for me 
Hmm. Peacemaker. <laughs> um, I'm going to cut uh, a drop of... Do you want to taste it? I didn't do shows <laughs> right and tell. Oh, yeah. No, you need to do shows and tell. <laughs> I was like, no, wait, no. is... So, no, well, he I has other gone... things. He wants, he yeah, wants but to that's a show you watch. On... Yeah, that was a sh- I was just going to say it towards the end. But now i got to start with that and... <laughs> You know, I can't talk about all the other shit that I was going to. What other shit are you talking about? Abbott Elementary, which is amazing and you great. You talk about if it you every week. It. Yeah, because it's amazing every week, and it returns. It's it's on hiatus right now. It returns at the twenty uh, third of March. I can't wait. Right, we'll tell him to come back with another title. What do you mean, come back with another title? He's just still bitter about Abbott. He's still bitter that his governor. It's look. Like I said, on Twitter, the only Abbott that we recognize is Abbott Elementary. Yeah, okay. Well, the show's called Cuomo Elementary. Uh, Abbott Elementary is fantastic. I finished it up the first half, and what's great is it's a perfect first half in the sense of all the main players of it have already took in character journeys that are unexpected and continues to feed the theme that this is its own unique juggernaut of a show. Um, I do think that the film crew style of show that the office, you know, populated, I think this has been able to take it to a whole nother level. And I understand people are about to come at my throat with that statement, but I'm sorry. Abbott Elementary is doing it much better than The Office did. The Abbott Elementary took the technique that The Office was doing and kind of added to it with just their style and how they interact with the style of filming, when they choose to look at the camera, when they don't, how they do. Um, And then from a story standpoint, the characters are fantastic. The comedy is on point. And it's, I would say, a nice palate cleanser that also doesn't just like cover up, ooh, the world's sunshine and rainbows. No, it's truth. It's true to what it was. It's a lot of the aspects of what we loved about Ted Lasso. And I would really like, I would highly recommend it. The show is going to be talked about a lot. And I read an interesting fact that it was such an unexpected hit that they had, I think, like 2.5 million in advertisement that had not been spent that they used to buy school supplies for teachers in, I think, the, I don't know if it was Philadelphia area or somewhere, but they used that. They were just like, this is a hit. We don't need to advertise it anymore because it is, it already, as far as, um, I think, viewership or, like, the ratings of whatever surpassed and is ABC's top. The one prior that it just surpassed was Modern Family. So that should, and it knocked it out within the first few episodes. Um, so I think it's already hit past Modern Family's peak. Yeah. I'm um, I'm just saddened by the school supplies having to be purchased with advertising money <laughs> element of that story. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, our country is broken. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, dun 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 dun. <laughs> um, also, I'm still continuing with Pam and Tommy. Um, maybe we'll talk on that towards the end. It sent me down a third-eyed blind kick a bit. I won't lie to you. 
a question that you were both asking me very frequently, and I was like, why, was, John, do you want to taste it? Do you really want to taste it? Uh, gentlemen, I have news. I tasted it. Yay! <laughs> and we're going to talk on Peacemaker. Peacemaker, season one. Let's chat about it. Uh, Peacemaker released this year, 2022, HBO Max, a Max original. It's a continuation from The Suicide Squad by James Gunn, written and directed by James Gunn as well. It takes place immediately after, or a couple months after the movie, um, but the movie does have its own tie-ins that lead into the show right away. So if you watched The Suicide Squad, watched the post credit scenes, you knew this was the next step in that story. Um, everyone, including you two gentlemen, had been raving about it. I was just dragging my feet, so I buckled in, watched, and I'm so happy I did. Oh, my God. Um, let's just start off the bat with John Cena as Peacemaker, who they purposely lean into I feel the first episode everything you hated or despised about him in the Suicide Squad or what you didn't like they kind of like leaned in and then knew like once they had you knew great now we can take you on the journey and make you see that he's human quote human three-dimensional um, and a complex character and that was amazing to see yeah as a listener if you're two-dimensional you are still a human yeah thanks for the uh, clarification yeah, thank you. Thank you. Representation um, for our two-dimensional listeners. Uh, Nick, I just want to highlight a scene that you had talked about, and I want to get your insight into why you enjoyed it, was when Peacemaker is in his trailer, he's crying, he starts hitting himself, talking about how everyone hates him because he killed Rick Flagg. And you really liked this moment. Well, why did this stand out to you as far as in the character for Peacemaker? Well, in the film, I enjoyed Peacemaker up until he decides that the mission for the government is more important than the right thing. And he has to fight and kill. Spoiler alert, Rick Flagg and goes after Ratcatcher. And at that point for me, the character became a, a fun, annoying buddy to a completely irredeemable piece of shit. And in the, trailer when he's breaking down and he's realizing you know what i am a piece of shit it's the self-awareness of where the character is gone made him fully three-dimensional and i was now potentially on his side as long as he knows he's terrible and that there's change that needs to happen then this character is now possibly someone i could root for and they just made all the right steps for me to get behind that. I I appreciate that it was established sort of early on that he's a bully and and picks on those around him uh, to make himself feel better. And that's a thing that even as his character was fleshed out, as we learned more about uh, his origin and and the facade that he is putting on as this peacemaker that. They make a point in the show of, of you, know, you need to spend a bit more time being Chris. If you're Chris, uh, people will probably end up liking you more, but you end up being Peacemaker so much. And that you need to 
take some time off of that. Uh, like, he's still, up until very close to the end, is still a bully even as he is gaining dimension. And it's not until sort of the, the very end as he uh, has a moment. I know... Don't want to sp- to jump ahead, but uh, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. Of... I mean, one of the things in that regard towards the end that stuck out with me was his relationship with Economos, into when Economos kills the gorilla, and his just reaction. Like up until that point, he had blatantly been bullying Economos um, for different reasons. But then we learn, oh wait, um, Economos, you got good music taste. Like, and he's like, when he learns about. Economos studying abroad, going to the concert, getting the tattoo. And he's like, yeah, no, none of this for, we're going to get some good shit for you. Like, hell yes. To then where Economos saves him. And he's like, you fucking stud. That was such a amazing, genuine reaction. And like, he's clearly like building him up and like super supportive. And it was awesome to see. Um, that was one of my favorite episodes, just to see how their camaraderie really, like, that's what solidifies everything. And everything kind of goes into place. And, yeah, it, 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 was, great to, it was great to see um, this. Like, like you said, James, like, towards the end, then us seeing his full journey, but then how it, it ends, where we leave off the end of the season, him at his trailer, ghost of his father there. Um, eagly, you know, being eagly. So we have this, it really sums up the series. We have the real heavyweight t- like themes in the background there mixed in with and juxtaposed with that comedy. And both equally live in this world. And it's all right there that we get. Um, bravo, James Gunn. It, it also was a great example of him learning to actually do a team yes the suicide squad was he's on a mission that's his own mission he got a like word from waller as to what he's supposed to do the rest of the team is expendable he's expendable he understands that but like he's not on a they're just like assets he's he's there for exactly they're around whereas this is the the first situation where like he actually begins engaging with okay we each have our own parts to play here and if one of us isn't on task, if 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 we aren't actually a team, then this isn't going to work, and yep. we need to save the world. Um, I'd be kicking myself if I don't bring up and highlight if we can talk about Vigilante. Um, specifically, and like Freddie Stroma, if you listen to our pod, feel free to come on because Freddie Stroma is fantastic. In the sense of when he's vigilante and when he's not, when he's just outside of it. And specifically what sold me on the character, because like he was funny and I enjoyed him. I knew I would enjoy him, especially like when we're first introduced to him as the busboy in the diner. And he can't really think of a reason why he was dancing. So he comes up with that his girlfriend's pregnant, but at the same beat remembers that he also wants to hook up with his co-worker's cousin. Um, is brilliant that he just commits like that's the one thing if i have to describe vigilante is commitment in every aspect of the scene but the one that has a just a place in my heart is when he's in prison and he sits at the table with the white supremacists and the aryans and it is brilliant and i don't know if we'll cut any sort of audio into it 
but we get him asking the question going around. Let's each say something that we're grateful for that black people have contributed to American culture. And Let's he's just so genuine in how he moderates that conversation. It's like when it leads up to like everything is just so in place up until the sounds of fucking your sister. And that's where it's just like a a little bit of a drop and it's like perfect. And that's when you know, oh shit, no, he's not in over his head at all. They're in trouble. Like that's where the first time where you feel like, um, okay. Um, yeah, that's just me nerding out vigilante. James, you said vigilante was one of your favorites. What? I, I don't want to uh, let go unappreciated the scene that happens a few minutes before that scene wherein uh, Vigilante approaches the the jail and, like, walks into the outdoor break area where a bunch of guards are eating their lunch and reading magazines and, like, spending their 30-minute or 15-minute break away from managing this prison and picks up a trash can and begins trying to throw it through a window just to destroy property, to get himself arrested, to get himself checked, like put into the jail so that he can have this confrontation. And again, like the way you mentioned the commitment, like that is he struggles at first with it. It's heavy. He didn't think about the fact that those things weigh a lot because they aren't like, they're way to stationary. It. And he's like, how do I get this up? And, uh, and like, laboriously like takes effort to break that window and you see the guards all sort of sitting around watching processing like is this actually happening is he actually doing this okay i guess i guess i should stand up yeah he's so good nick do you have a favorite vigilante story since we're just going around here reminiscing freddie stroma as you can see you have the heart of john's mostly movie podcast yeah, it was uh, the the same sequence. It just from clumsily destruction of property to excellent dialogue and beatdown to when he gets out and he's crying. And just I think I made it worse. Like that's the whole thing made him go from jokeable sociopath to there's heart in this character. Like, he genuinely wants Peacemaker to be happy. Um, and, yeah, it's, I forgot about that. That part is gorgeous. Um, uh, I'm going to go with four and a half tofus for Peacemaker season one. I would highly recommend going to see it um, for all the reasons that were stated before. John Cena himself is fantastic. The supporting class um, shines. There's so many aspects that we didn't touch on, um, but it's a great story. Fun. Yeah, it's it's fun. That's what I would just say. It never loses sight that it is fun, which is nice. Uh, Peacemaker's five tofus, by the way. <laughs> Peacemaker's five tofus for you? Okay. And if you want to hear a whole episode of us talking about Peacemaker, give us an email. Literally, that's all it would take. If if a listener sent us an email and said, hey, I would like all of you to spend uh, 45 minutes to an hour discussing Peacemaker in depth. All right. Let's make it three. Three emails. Three is a charm. Half an email. Just let us know there's one unsent. 
if a listener sends three emails. <laughs> the, three, the three emails, three listeners. Let's get it. Can't be shame. Three email addresses. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, hey, John. Hmm. Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? <sighs> That's the right transition. God damn it. Not Scream. I'll tell you that much. It's my answer to the question. <laughs> Scream 2022. I remember when it was announced. My first reaction to this was... That's a good poster. <laughs> and it was a good poster. That's, that's true. It was a really good poster. The just ghost face itself with the knife and everything. But it was also like a why. Um, it very much felt like they were going to piggyback off of the success that Halloween had found. Um, Halloween 2018, 2018, 2019. I'm I'm looking. Most recent Halloween. Well, the most recent Halloween, titled Halloween. Yes, um, and Scream was just. I remember showing Becky Scream for the first time, and the way that I was able to sell it to her was its impact in the horror movie genre, where. Because Becky's like, I just don't really like jump scares. And me kind of going back and looking and realizing, oh, well, hey, you know how you don't like jump scares? This movie's probably the reason for that. Because it pretty much, at the time, perfected the jump scare. Um, so, like, it's it screams, like, it's in its own. And it's already had its sequels. And we had most recent in 2011, which was fine. It wasn't bad. Um, and then I watch it. I don't know if you all had the same, um, you know, expectation or if this was the first thing that you were looking at when watching it, but for me, it's going to be the opening. Screams made it a thing in its own franchise that the opening truly means something. Um, we can dissect that for plenty of time, but long story short, Scream 1, Drew Barrymore at the time is a very big actress, and they kind of took a page out of Psycho, and Drew Barrymore shows up, and she was billed to be a very big part in this movie, and is killed off immediately in the opening. Um, we don't have the same sort of casting for the opening actress in this. It's an actress that is known, but n- nothing like an A-lister like Drew Barrymore was at that time period. Um, I think Jenna Ortega has showed up in many different um, TV. For the dialogue of if I'm going to be placing a Scream movie that's going to acknowledge previous in the world of Scream, the Woodsboro murders of Ghostface and everything to it, what does that dialogue look like? What have people in the world learned from these killings? Because it'd be pretty fucking stupid if people are just dying from the same shit. Um, and I know we've seen that before. This is why, why like... We'll get into it with Jurassic Park a whole nother day, but for the opening and taking all that in consideration, it stuck the motherfucking landing. And that's where I want to open this discussion with Scream 2022 because I can already tell by Nick's uh, look to it that maybe it didn't stick the landing for him. But James, you also gave me a nod for me. The dialogue in the opening, what the opening was, was a great introduction to what this movie is going to be and what it was, and I really enjoyed it. How did you all feel with the opening? The opening was great. That being, I mean, your little intro about openings and screams, I, I can only think of the first one. <laughs> I mean, it's a very classic. 
yeah, just just I, I watched like an eight minute refresher on Scream before going into this movie, like all the movies, and I don't remember a lot of two and three, but I I for the life of me I could if you were like did somebody die in the beginning five minutes of that movie I couldn't say yes. Well, I know two is within the movie theater. It's Omar Epps and uh, Jada Pickett Smith. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, three is the f- film, right? Like that's they're where the like movie. Yeah. they're making the movie. So it could be a rug pull where we watch somebody get killed, but it's part of the movie. Yeah. Anyway, the, the beginning of this movie is the best part. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was the dialogue also. The Babadook, heightened horror, everything to that. Um, and it comes back. It does. It, it it does come back full circle into the dialogue. Um, James, did you enjoy the opening into the movie? I did. Uh, so I had only previously seen the original Scream, so okay. I haven't seen any of the sequels. So I understand that the dynamics between the the first generation characters uh stuff happened in movies that i didn't see but was able to pick up through context clues and the characters directly saying what their relationships are now um i think they did a really good job of that yeah giving you uh, context was for for a movie in a series about horror movies this seemed more specifically focused on the tropes of scream movies in particular and i i having not seen these other sequels i don't know if that is well-tread ground that already uh the series has touched on but the ways in which like oh it has i found okay i i assumed as much given how meta the first one was but mm-hmm. uh found myself in the finale uh when the the last gunshot goes off and and we hear that quip uh, found myself appreciating. Oh, she, she didn't die. She's not as injured as we've uh, seen throughout all of this. Like, she got to survive, and and remembering the first scene as oh, she's clearly going to die because that's what these movies do. Uh, it was it was cool to again spoilers for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll put a apologies. I I should. Um, <laughs> well, so the reason I wanted to touch on the opening. And then the movie is because Uh, in the Scream franchise, that has been like an opening for Scream does dictate a lot to it. And I really appreciated the opening to it. Now, that being said, and as you were alluding to, James, there's more into the movie. When it goes to that, I really enjoyed the building of the world. They didn't lean so much on, quote, the, quote, original cast members. But when the original cast members were there, it was delightful. David Arquette was fantastic. And it also felt that everyone, Gail Weathers, um, Cindy Campbell, Cindy Campbell. <laughs> Scary movie, right? Right? That's from that's that's her name in Scary Movie, Anna Ferris's character when they're making the I think so. Uh, I don't anyway, know. Cindy Prescott. All of them S- interact. Sydney. Sydney prescott interact in the realm of the movie like what in what i would expect because when i was watching it i immediately knew from when dewey calls her 
And she's like, yeah, I got a gun, everything to it. And he's like, don't come here. I immediately knew that, okay, if she's there, the only thing that's going to take her back there, Dewey has to die. Like, realistically, the only thing that could bring her back, because that's with, whenever talking about rebooting Jurassic World and everything, and they were talking to, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum and... Uh, yeah, when they killed Julianne Moore at the beginning. <laughs> and so they said that what made it an issue with the original cast members coming back for Jurassic World was that there ha- there isn't there has to be a motivated reason for these characters to go back. Now that's why I'm interested in like the next one, but just with anything, there hasn't been enough time. We've already established with Gail Weathers and is it Gail Weathers? Yeah. That's the character's okay. name, yeah. Yeah. Courtney I Cox. Don't know why it always feels. Um, yeah. and Sydney that their life has taken them away from Woodsboro. Um, so I think that organically the way they make their way back was written really well. I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the introduction to a new generation and how the new generation, you know, it was a commentary on that, how people feel about Gen Z's, how they feel about Gen Z's taste versus the taste of kind of millennials who are caught in between and the ones before. Um, it's our first like where you're like boomers are not discussed. Like as far as a group, you have the nineties, which is what Gen X. Mm-hmm. You have a touch of millennials into there. And then you have the Gen Z's. Like when they're kicking the Gen Z's out of the party um, and it's Richie and he's like, yep, yep, look, sorry, and all that. Like, Richie's a millennial. Like, he's, what, early 30s into that, late, tw- uh, late 20s? Um, so it is that dynamic. And we've seen in past movies where we've seen, like, the adults and the parents. And all the, grown, quote, grown-ups here were still pretty young. The sheriff was still young. I, I mean, and that might just be me seeing her. Um, I forgot what that actress's name is. Marley Shelton. Marley Shelton. Seeing her play... Just a, a mother figure is is trippy to me, um, mostly because growing up I had anytime she showed up on screen I just had a crush on her and I was just like oh my god you are just gorgeous and also probably you and Heather Graham duke it out at every audition for the same roles. Um, yeah, I know her from Grindhouse. Apparently, she's reprising her role from Scream Two. Hmm. Yes, she was a deputy, and she was in 2011. Uh, Melissa Barriera, I think is how her last name said, uh, but playing Sam Carpenter. Great. Like, I love the connection to Billy Loomis. Disagreed. Let's go. Uh, She did not do a good job leading a film. I can can understand that. I would have wanted them to give and lean in a little more to the Billy Loomis like plotline, I understand it was like a big, it was a big plotline. But what I mean by that is, I would have liked to see her unhinge a little more. I want to see less. You want to see less? Because first off, you don't need to bring Skeet Ulrich back to play an older version of the dead guy that didn't get to age. Hey, look, it looks pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, that looks pretty goddamn good, and I'm I know he would agree. And second, in number three, they tell us that. Sydney's secret brother got Billy Loomis to to have the idea of murder in the first place. 
So it didn't start with Billy. It started with Roman. Is it me or are they just disregarding the third one? It feels like they're just cutting the third one out. Right. And they go out of the way to be like, this is what a requel is. But they're also saying, oh, there's like eight stab movies. And we got to know every single stab. You have to know what happens in every single sequel. You can't go out of your way to be like, we're taking every single one into account and just ignore three and four. And especially when three informs number one. You're starting to sound a lot... I'm not saying we need to jump to the end of this movie and the motivation, Nick. Yeah. Also, it, as soon as I saw that Jack Quaid was in the movie, I was like, he did it. And and <laughs> it, it, and they did I thought the same thing. <laughs> and it's like, oh well shit. They didn't subvert any expectations whatsoever. And I was and as the movie's gone by, I was like, well, that character I hate the most, she's the other one. And doom. It was it was the two of them. Like it's I I'm I'm like if they really wanna do something different and subvert the stuff they should have explained this is how everything's going to work so and I then don't... have nothing go that way i like, don't fully disagree with you fucking and dewey should have, have been the killer i have i gotta say the way dewey went out it's an honor and the way that he was killed fuck yes if you're gonna kill an original character that has that much weight like you need to know that, like, there's no coming back. So when the in number three, he out, already had to shoot a guy with a bulletproof vest. He already knows this is the thing that can happen. That's why he went back for the head. He should have done it in the first saying, place. But also three, if they're disregarding three, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. But they're not disregarding three. They go out of the way to say everything still counts. They we don't know that. They say for the stabs. I'm more James, interested what? in stab eight than I am okay, in screen I, five. Look, look there's a flamethrower. Okay, real quick. Let me it's, and because James has a good point. Um, or he's biting at the bit to put the point out. Oh, I, I guess my two. Oh well, Billy Loomis isn't actually the origin of this. Do people know that? Like, having not seen the movie in which that was a plot point. Was that a revelation that, like, the townspeople now are aware that Sydney's secret brother... I, I, I guess only Sydney and Dewey would know that. Mm. Yeah, but but Sydney goes out of way to be like, and it all started with Billy Loomis. Okay, so and, then and, that's it. Three can go fuck itself. Jay and Silent Bob aren't in this world. Wait, yeah. Jay and Silent Bob are in this franchise? Oh, <laughs> yes, they are. Oh, yes, they show up in Scream 3 is just a big old Miramax flex. Interesting. Yeah. I, I will say the like 60 seconds where I had convinced myself that the little sister was part of it uh, when when they were in the house Same. at the end uh, it was a very like interesting twist that didn't end up being correct. But I, I was really... I did enjoy that they alluded that too. That would be a better movie. Right? I was like, oh, this is cool, actually. Okay. This would be great so if, if she just my... like emerged... Here's my thoughts with the ending. If we're going to say the analogy, stick the landing, we're talking about gymnastics, right? We're talking about something of going up in the air, falling down, sticking the landing, and, you know, us judging at Olympics or whatever. Okay, using that analogy, this is what I feel for Scream. It started out really well. It nailed its technicality. When it came to the landing, you know how there's those lands where someone, like, lands, but they just, like, hop a little to gain their balance and so, like, yes, they, it's not a stuck landing. They do, do deduct points from it, but they also didn't fall. They just had to catch their balance, and boom, there they are. Um, that's what I would say for Scream. It 
could have felt a little off balance, could have seen like it wasn't going to stick that landing, and it kind of went like a little, uh. but ultimately it put both its feet to the ground. Now, I'm not saying it's a 10 out of 10. As far as I'm the metaphor goes. The, okay. the landing that they w- were intending to. Let me stop you right there. As far as this metaphor goes, doing the triple, quadruple super flips and then almost falling down and then coming back, that's that's where you get the extra points. But they did a literal just straight jump and and they landed superbly there was no there was no waiver it was for they wanted to do nothing and they did it and they landed perfectly but you're not supposed to score high on that because they didn't try for anything i like that fair we'll we'll concede that that's the fact that jack quaid literally has a line wherein he says you you idiots uh dewey said yeah like the first act nailed it one (laughs) nailed it one he called this it's the love interest yeah, actually, I have been scamming you this whole time. Our entire relationship has been part of this operation to lure you here. Uh, everything that came up uh, earlier and you all just hand-waved also, away. No, certainly not. Why is Jack Quaid fucking a high schooler? These are good questions. She's a dropout, technically. I mean, no, she's there, man. She's in high school. Um, Jack Quaid, you, you... He's the older sister of the high schooler. Huh? He's dating the older sister of the high schooler. No, the the revelation that he has been teaming up with and uh Oh that there, the, the villain there seems the, yeah. the villain I didn't uh, see them fucking. Not Sam. Sam is clearly not in yeah, high school because yeah, yeah. we they they say that she dipped out at age eighteen. It's mm-hmm. been five years, so she's like post college. Yeah, well, right? I mean that's more the meta commentary, right? Any asshole who's bitching about movies like that's this. a statutory commentary i don't know if that's like mm-hmm. i mean that's yeah well it doesn't seem like there's any positive commentary at all for people who don't like movies it is it is a a terrific like making your villain that shitty guy on the forum who's going to complain about this this piece of uh movie uh artwork what have you not talking specifically to him just there should be more subversion in this instead of more of the same. Okay, uh, I have I have a question. Okay, that perhaps you can illuminate an answer to. So the I think it was second victim, a uh, guy that was peeing outside the bar, that uh, got stabbed in the throat and and bled out. And that was Kyle Gallner. Fucking, I didn't even realize that was him. He, he's he shows up in another spooky movies. I think he's in Haunting, Connecticut, and mm. Jennifer, he dies in Jennifer's body. But okay. but to tie this back, he is Flash in the Smallville Justice League with Alan Richson, who is Aquaman. <laughs> Terrific. So at some point in a conversation about figuring out, you know, doing the detective work and figuring out who is Ghostface this time, uh they make mention of, oh, well, if we can figure out, like, it's always personal. Whoever he kills is someone that he's targeting. So if we can figure out why they'd be going after this this second target, the, the first person that actually dies in the movie, then maybe we'll figure out who this person is. And then I don't recall us ever hearing about that victim again. Uh, they told us he was, uh, let's see, he was 
it was it was a stretch even but he was mm. he was um he was the boyfriend of matthew lillard's sister's character and matthew lillard was the other killer in the first one i i guess i missed that yeah and then even then the fucking motivation to the it only makes sense for fake Sam's motivation. Because now they're trying to frame her. Mm-hmm. But number three already did this. <laughs> it it already had them trying to frame the, the, the person who's... Oh, my God. It... Look, man. I don't mean to be an asshole, but you just got to tell us if you really love Scream 3. Because it would make a lot of sense. I gotta rewatch it because <laughs> it seems great. Because I'm my my main radar for this is motivation of the villains. And okay. That's number fair. one, That's a big thing. And motive number one sucks. It's your mom had sex with my dad, so I'm made this elaborate murder deal, and it makes more for a sense. Teenager that can very much work a teenager uh, absolutely hormones. not not for putting on a mask and killing my principal and then killing all of my friends no no way that doesn't make any matthew lillard and throw this in james matthew lillard when he gives his what are you going to tell him i'm in pre- or what does he say uh Violent what was games? your motive <laughs> video blame or something like i'm in i'm impressionable billy's got one the police are on their way what are you going to tell them peer pressure oh i'll clip it in uh, you, you'll yeah. find that we'll find that and, at the end. And, and 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 Lillard is a, is a crazy guy. I I can believe that. Okay, is, but as long as one person has the correct motivation, you can have a second person be like, I just like doing crazy shit. That's fine. We but, all go a little crazy sometimes, Nick. I, number two, Timothy Oliver is just a crazy guy, but it seems like he's the mastermind. So it's it's again, it, it's not very good. But but the other one is Billy's mother, who's trying to get revenge. That's that's great motivation. Number three, it's a secret brother, which is also stupid. But if you retcon it to where he's now the instigator for Billy Loomis, Billy Loomis now has okay motivation. It it makes number one better. And what about four? Number four is a cousin's jealous of the fame that her consistent victim cousin is getting. Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> um. And then this one sucks too. We'll just we fucking I want to make a better stab movie. Two questions for you all, and then we'll do our rating. Okay. First question. Um, well, it's a slasher movie, so let's talk about some deaths. Who was your favorite death? So, for any of you who are naive to horror movies, a slasher is what we are talking about here. Scream. What it means? Slashing. What you do with a knife. Typically, that means the killer of the movie is killing people with knives and objects to that matter. Halloween, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, all... Well, would you count Texas Chainsaw as a slasher? You know, if you think about it, a chainsaw is like a whole bunch of little knives in a Terrible. row that's that being moved moving. very quickly because of a motor. So I, I'd say chainsaws count. Beautiful. And so we're going to go around talking about our favorite kill. So for Scream 2022, not Scream 3, um, for Scream, I gotta, I'm sorry, 
And I know that whenever my mom listens to this, she's gonna. This is gonna be the death she hates the most. But it is Dewey, David Arquette, his death. Um, it's perfect because in the way it's constructed, Ghostface saying it's an honor was pretty badass. I'm not gonna lie, and that it's one stab to the gut, another to the back, to then be brought up together, up his spine so then we see the blood and it's like oh because you don't think like a, oh dewey's gotten stabbed before we've been here before he, he, they might find him and he's going to be in critical condition to that honor and then the bring it out i was just like my god it was stylized it worked for this ghost face who is obsessed with style and if a death matters it matters it worked to it and i really enjoyed it because it was a high stake kill. Regardless, anytime you kill somebody from the original, which my mom didn't really appreciate in the newest Halloween, she didn't care that, I mean, her whole thing was they brought back all these characters from the original just to immediately kill them off and not give like more screen time to it. Like they didn't serve any purpose just to up the body count. Um, Whereas this one, it had a purpose where it was what got Sydney and Gail back. that's here. Let me, um, I'll hand the projector back to you all. It would have been good if a 16 year old girl wasn't the one behind those knives, lifting an adult man with two knives, like a corner of the cob. Cannot see it whatsoever. Makes we no do sense. Not no, I'm, I'm just saying there might be Richie was in the elevator guy, which means it's only Amber. Left. I'm just saying that we don't know her strength. I think just because she's a 16-year-old girl and we've seen her physique clearly in, you know, I, Maggie Madison might be jacked as fucked, okay? But she's we not. We might not know. She might be, I'm assuming her pronouns she, but Mikey Madison very well might listen to this and be like, okay, first, subscribe. Second, I'm going to send an email to emails at johnsmostlymoviepodcast.com titled, Hey, Nick, guess what? Can lift him, like the pod, but you're wrong. We'll do it. Something Next like time, that. show me in the movie that she's got the strength of a man, an adult man. What if Scream 6 reveals in a Halloween 3 style pivot <laughs> okay. that all of the ghost faced masks in this town have been empowered by uh, pieces of Stonehenge, let's say, to imbue the wearer with uh, the physical strength of uh, the ghost face, if you will. Like, in the way that in the credits, ghost face, like that voice that comes out of the voice modulation box that any character can speak into and it comes out exactly sounding like this actor with some modulation on their voice... uh, like, in the credits, as pictures for these people uh, were coming up next to their character names, Ghostface was a, there in, like, the mask and in Hood with the actor who did the voice's name present. So, like, what if when you put on the Ghostface mask, you become the Ghostface and you're a six foot four, 270-pound muscle man that is real good at knives? Well, that would help explain the scene. And that will be Scream 6, Season of the Scream. Season of the Six. The actor Roger Jackson 
is the actor who mm. voices Ghostface in all the Scream movies. That's yes. the quote voice change box. Um, but not that's... all. Oh motherfucker! And number three, <sighs> he, can, he can actually become the voice of anyone, including Lee Schreiber and Sydney's mother. All the more lending, I say, credence to the Stonehenge magic theory. Um, James, can we just put it on the calendar already for Halloween's <laughs> episode? We will be doing Scream 3 this year. Put it on the calendar. Yeah, okay. and literally, I only saw like two and a half minutes of somebody talking about Scream 3, and I've got all this information. <laughs> Nick, what is your favorite kill then? Uh, probably the kill Amber. <laughs> Yeah, the hand sanitizer for the stove fire uh, segue to gunshot to the face. Yeah, all that was pretty good. Producer James. Despite the fact that it made the least like narrative sense to me, as I literally just talked about how I wasn't sure how he connected to the plot, that second uh, victim... That was, a, that was an effective one. ...that got uh, the, the just real quick jab to the throat and then collapse and, and ghost face... Hovering over him, kind of doing the head tilts uh, that we get Michael Myers doing a lot. Like, oh, hey, you're you're dying. Look at that. Look at all that blood in you. I didn't know you had all that blood. Where are you keeping all that blood? Uh, that was a very, like, chilling, and also the, the violence was quick, but the effects of it lingered and were effective. Also, that, that voice that I just did is now canonically in my head for Scream 6. <laughs> the true voice of... Uh, Ghostface, when, it's actually when he isn't my head cannon for Michael Myers' voice. What you doing with all that blood? <laughs> um, all right, fun little lightning round one. If you could replace any actor or actress of the film with another character or, or another um, actor or actress to raise your rating, we haven't gotten to the ratings yet, but whatever your rating is, if this substitution happened, it would instantly give it one more tofu. Uh, Producer James. I would replace Jack Quaid with Nicolas Cage. Fantastic. Uh, I understand that he's intended to be the same age as Sam, uh, but also works still uh, if if he's just a creepy older guy that is seeing this uh, early 20-something. And then even more so foreshadows, oh, wait, actually, his taste for the, the younger women uh, skews much worse. Uh, and I, I think that he could do a lot of good work with uh, a lot of what Jack Quaid did uh, a fine job with in this movie. I think uh, it'd be infinitely more watchable if we, we got a good Nick Cage performance out of it. I'm going to go similar, and I'm going to go replacing Jack Wade with Michael Sarah. Because why not? Because why not? Well, first off, the character is supposed to be charming. I feel like I would suspect him much more if Michael Sarah was in that <laughs> role. <laughs> Nick, what do you got? Uh, I'm getting rid of Amber. Uh, and God damn, I'm, man. I'm putting in Alan Richardson. Terrific. Terrific. That way I, I, I now believe all the physicality. And believe the physicality is easier to, to have to suspend my disbelief than believing he's a high school girl. I'm now just imagining Alan Richson in 
a 21 Jump Street style movie where he is playing a teenage girl, but with like a wig and, and tries to like pass himself off, really going method <laughs> with it. Are the police coming to get you, John? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is Ghostface in your house? <laughs> uh, I'm so glad you'll be able to cut this out. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> important because right now the police are just here. Nick, what is your tofu rating? Two tofus. James? Wait, wait, wait. say again? I was gonna add, yeah. It's not all bad. That's no scream three, from what I hear. I'd probably give it maybe three. It was enjoyable enough. Uh, I'm I'm curious, especially given how it came out. Uh, Right around the same time as, from what I hear, a terrible Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. God awful. Uh, uh. Half a tofu. Half a tofu. John, what would you uh, rate this movie? I'm with you. Three tofus. It's enjoyable. It's right there. Um. Not great, but all right. Yeah. If you side more with Nick... You can send us an email at emails at johnsmostlymoviepodcast.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe to wherever you are listening to us for your podcast listening. Have some ideas that you want us to talk about? Same email. Shoot us an email or follow us on Twitter, john underscore podcast. Uh, you can add us and let us know there. That's where we also announce any episode drops. Producer James. I just wanted to point out that it's specifically at J-O-N underscore podcast. I looked into John with the H, and apparently that, that account got banned. So I don't know who <laughs> John J-O-H-N underscore podcast is or what his podcast was about, but it apparently hit some chords and Twitter yeah, had, to, they were January had to stop them. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's what's going on with the other John podcast. Did John podcast do nine eleven? I don't know. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying that he did. I'm just saying. Too soon. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. I would see. This is the issue about not being in person, because in person, you, I would be making hand gestures to you. Like, I'm listening also. My ADHD mind is in two places. Uh, oh, where's the... So the listener at home, John is looking at his phone. But also waving at us. It's, he's making hand gestures, uh, perhaps signals. Uh, darting about the room. Oh my god, he's taking off his shirt. John? John, put down the knife. John? This is normal for ADHD, I think. Sort of pamphlet I read at community college. We're not supposed to wake him, right? Oh wait, that's sleep sleepwalking. Never mind. <laughs>